This is the Art of Dental Finance and Management podcast brought to you by Art Wiederman, CPA with Ide Bailey. Whether it's taxes and investing or planning wisely, Art is the expert to make your dental practice profitable. At Ide Bailey, what inspires you inspires us. We provide a suite of accounting and advisory services dedicated to the total care of your practice. Visit our website to access our tools and resources tailored for dentists, idebailey.com slash dentist. That's E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y dot com slash dentist. This podcast is distributed with the understanding that Art Wiederman, CPA, and Ide Bailey, LLP are not rendering legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Listeners should consult with their business advisors before acting on any of the information or opinions shared. If you have questions and or feedback, make sure to email Art over at awiederman at idebailey.com. That's A-W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N at E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y dot com. You can also give Art a call at 657-279-3243. Without further delay, here's your host, Dental CPA, Art Wiederman. And hello, everyone, and welcome to a very, very special edition of the Art of Dental Finance and Management uh, with Art Wiederman, CPA. I'm your host, Art Wiederman. And uh, we're bringing these, uh, bring this podcast to you today. We're recording on uh, Wednesday, February 10th. We're date stamping these because of all the uh, new stuff that's going on with all of the uh, Paycheck Protection Program, the Employee Retention Tax Credit, uh, and everything else we've got going on. But today is very, very special for me. Uh, you might recall uh, about uh, three, four months ago, we interviewed Dr. Kathleen O'Loughlin, who is the Executive Director of the American Dental uh, Association. Well, today it is my honor and privilege to speak uh, to Dr. Daniel J. Clementson, uh, who is the president of the American Dental Association. He is an oral surgeon out of Tucson, Arizona. And we're going to get into what's going on in dentistry, um, the ADA's response to the COVID-19 pandemic, and uh, where ADA is going in the future. And uh, that's going to come from a a practicing, highly skilled specialist, and it's going to be a, a a wonderful conversation, which we'll get to in just a moment. Uh, I just want to give you a little bit of information. Number one, um, if you are interested in our webinar series, The Business of Dentistry, uh, actually tonight, uh, if you, um, well, actually, this will be recorded on the 17th. You'll be able to get it on uh, online. If you're interested in our webinar series, uh, go ahead and go to uh, www.idebailey.com um, forward slash dental series, and you'll be able to register for all those series. Uh, in addition to that, we are going to be doing a special one on March 10th on the Paycheck Protection Program and the Employee Retention Tax Credit. Uh, do go to our partner, Decisions in Dentistry Magazine. Amazing, amazing clinical content. Uh, an advisory board second to none with great continuing education courses. And uh, also you can get, um, uh, you can see our podcasts on there. That's www.decisionsanddentistry.com. And folks, with everything that's going on, if you are not working with a member of the Academy of Dental CPAs, we are 24 member firms across the United States, uh, representing over 10,000 dentists. I am the Southern California member. I'm a dental director at the CPA firm of Ide Bailey. Please go to our website, www.adcpa.org. 
Let me give you just a couple of quick updates and things that you need to be remembering. This is, again, going to get published on the 17th of uh, February. Um, Because of the fact that the uh, Congress passed the the bill on December the 27th, the coronavirus uh, stimulus bill of 2021, uh, it now allows doctors who had a greater than 50% reduction in revenues, most likely in the second quarter of 2020, to go back and claim not only full forgiveness on your PPP round one loan, but also to claim uh, up to a $5,000 per employee uh, employee retention tax credit. And uh, uh, we're waiting for guidance from the government, but we believe that this could put tens of thousands of dollars in your pocket. And again, on March 10th, uh, I'm going to be doing a webinar on that. And if you want to register, go to our Bailey website or just email me. Um, so our recommendation to everybody is do not file for SBA forgiveness for your round one until these rules come out and we see if you're eligible. Uh, also remember that you're going to have to go into the HHS Provider Relief Fund portal. Go ahead and register. They're not ready to take your information yet, but go ahead and register. And uh, we're hoping that they're going to give us a date sometime, probably March 15th or April 15th, that you'll have to report your lost revenues and also your uh, PPE and all those expenses to justify the the money that you got. Okay. Um, Anyway, with that said, I would like to bring on my guest, Dr. Daniel J. Clementson, who is the president of the American Dental Association. Uh, Dr. Clementson is a graduate of the USC School of Dentistry in 1980. He was, uh, he's been in organized dentistry for a long, long time. He was the president of the Arizona Dental Society, uh, and he's been um, involved on the ADA Board of, of Delegates for over 10 years, and he is now the president. So, Dr. Clementson, uh, who is actually a full-time practicing oral surgeon and president of ADA, welcome to the Art of Dental Finance and Management. Well. Thank you very much, Art. It uh, is a pleasure. Well, thank you for taking your valuable time. First of all, do you ever sleep? That's the first question I have for you. I sleep uh, less than I would like to, but I've always been a pretty hard worker. And uh, I get up every morning at four and work out uh, for an hour, get to the office by six, generally home by six. and, And during the day, I may have four or five Zoom calls and uh, then tried to do reading before I get so tired, I just uh, hit the pillow. Oh, that is absolutely remarkable. But again, thank you for your uh, contribution to uh, to the dental profession, everything ADA is doing, which we'll be talking about on this call. Um, let's start out, uh, why don't you kind of give us a little bit of your background and your history? I shared a little bit, but why don't you tell our listeners um, uh, about your journey? Well, uh, I grew up in... Uh, the West, as I followed my father around as he got his uh, advanced degrees and, and ultimately ended up in Tucson, Arizona, where he was a professor in the College of uh, Renewable Natural Resources. But I spent a lot of time in the dental office. Uh, I don't know the reason why, but uh, I uh, tell lots of my patients I either had to be a dentist or marry a dentist. I had so many <laughs> Uh, issues. And in 1976, we were unfortunate. It was unfortunate. We did not have uh, the percentage of uh, women dentists that we have now. And and uh, I might have made a different decision uh, now, but I'm happily married to a former school teacher who uh, ended up as a vice president of our teaching hospital in Tucson. So 
I've done well. Uh, I, after uh, dental school, I did my oral surgery training. Then I went back to medical school. Uh, and then my wife asked me if I liked what I do. And I said, yes. And she please, she said, ask me if I would please get a job. Uh, <laughs> and so I, you know, that wasn't quite that bad, but relative to the dollars and cents, it still was a lot. So I came back to Tucson and uh, was fortunate enough to join a, an oral surgery practice. Uh, both of my partners had been involved in organized oral surgery. Uh, and so they got me involved really pretty quick. And so I got involved at the, uh, the, at the dental level and at the oral surgery level. And uh, I got asked to serve as a delegate to the House of Delegates. I got asked to serve on a couple councils. I was actually on the Council on Dental Benefit Programs uh, in the uh, 2007 area, and I was on a strategic planning committee. And so you get into uh, organized dentistry at that level, and you realize that it's that there's a whole lot of stuff that goes on that's very important uh, outside of an individual's practice. And so when you go back to your practice, uh, you work real hard, and you realize that Thank God somebody was doing something on the national level to keep me out of a few problems uh, at the local level. Um, and I became a trustee. Uh, and uh, usually one of the four senior trustees runs for president. Uh, usually a couple do. And I stepped forward and everybody else stepped back. And so uh, I was I actually ran unopposed, which was nice. It allowed me to kind of concentrate on... Uh, doing the right things for our members. And uh, other than this uh, crazy pandemic that happened, uh, I enjoy the big philosophical issues that uh, we have to deal with. Well, that, and we're going to talk about what ADA's response has been to the pandemic and, and, and where ADA is going with this. But um, uh, why don't you share with our audience, Dr. Clementson, what does a president of the American Dental Association do? What are your job duties and responsibilities and maybe a little background on ADA and, and, and itself. I know they have a lot of people that work at ADA. Well, the ADA uh, has, uh, well, total employees is close to 400, I believe, at this point in time. Nice 22-floor building on uh, East Chicago Avenue, just off Michigan Avenue. Beautiful place. I, I've been I've been there. It is beautiful, yes. It is. Uh, we... Uh, uh, there's a board of trustees of 17, uh, one from each of the uh, districts. Uh, and to be honest, once you become president, you don't have nearly as much power as if uh, you were a trustee. Uh, the president is essentially uh, the representative of the ADA in any interactions with civic groups, government entities, businesses, and other professional organizations. So I'm kind of a spokesperson, uh, and I have to make sure I'm always saying the right things, uh, and I know ADA policy uh, inside and out, uh, and just work to support the reputation of the ADA and all the, the good things we do. I also uh, take the, the role res uh, seriously in that I have to kind of constantly be surveying the environment so I can kind of envision or see some of the issues coming down the pike uh, because we live in the present, but we really need to think 
uh, for the future. And so I try to bring some of those perspectives to the board uh, where we have to make a lot of decisions. Uh, the other area where a lot of decision making gets done at the ADA is through councils and councils are actually committees of the House of Delegates. And so the House of Delegates selects uh, these House committees. They have issues that are important to all members in a variety of subjects and that that gets fed up to the Board of Trustees. So you're, you're a busy guy. So you, I know that the ADA has four congressional lobbyists. So you're not really going to talk to people on Capitol Hill. You're talking to maybe maybe like the president of the American Medical Association and other other groups like that and sharing all of your concerns. Um, and again, I will tell you folks, uh, and I promise this, this is not a paid commercial for the ADA. I have learned more about the ADA in the last 10 months Um because I didn't have a ton of interaction with the ADA, but what this organization has done for the 163,000 member dentists is unbelievable. In fact, I want to share a story as we get into kind of the p- pandemic, doctor. Uh, I actually ended up having to have a, a root canal uh, a couple weeks ago. And um, and then, you know, the, the tooth needed a crown. I got the crown yesterday. And my dentist, who's a, a wonderful doctor in South Orange County uh, in Mission Viejo, California, uh, he and I, we talk dentistry all the time because he knows what I do. And I, I said to him, I said, well, geez, you know, tomorrow I got a real treat. I'm interviewing the president of the American Dental Association. Here's what he said. He said, Art, I want you to tell him what a wonderful job ADA has done and how we, and not only me, but all my colleagues here in South Orange County, because we have study clubs that we're in, have been able to get through this with all the resources, and he mentioned specifically the ADA tool, the, the reopening toolkit that you guys put out. And he said, please tell um, please tell the ADA president what a wonderful job that they've done. And, and, and that's, uh, uh, he said, I don't know where our practice would have been uh, without the ADA. So with that, and, and again, I, I did not, uh, I didn't make that up. That's exactly what he said to me yesterday. So what's it been looking like? Uh, I mean, you're... <laughs> Your presidency is in the middle of a pandemic, doctor. Not not exactly your first choice, but um, how? Tell tell me, kind of what uh, what your life has been like as president. How this pandemic has affected everything? Well, typically, uh, the president. Well, I as, actually, as president elect and as president, you do a lot of traveling. Uh, you get invited to <laughs> multiple states, all the constituents, all the big meetings, uh, right. some of the scientific meetings, uh, and so you spend a lot of time traveling. If you go back about three years and ask Joe Crowley about his year as president, he tells everybody, I spent 37 days in my own bedroom. Uh, (laughs) And so it's a busy, busy year. I have a beautiful uh, office on the 22nd floor overlooking Michigan Avenue uh, that I haven't seen since uh, February of last year. Right, right. Um, But, you know, the problems in dentistry that that practitioners have, that the public have, that our patient have, still still goes on, and we still need to solve those problems. We just have adapted and find other ways to get those things accomplished. Uh, when the pandemic hit, uh, to be honest, when it really kind of escalated up, I was at the American Student Dental Association meeting in St. Louis, uh, and we could just see. Uh, what was coming down the pike. Within the next day, some of the dental schools were closing down. uh, And that's pretty much when we went uh, absolutely into overdrive. 
the ADA sent all of its uh, employees to work from home. Uh, they had to create all kinds of IT solutions. Uh, we ramped up the web page. Uh, we developed task forces uh, that produced all of the information. Uh, we thought long and hard about whether or not we should pause or uh, recommend only emergency care, but we felt because of the unknown nature of this pandemic, it was important for us to understand the science uh, and uh, take a look at how we could best, one, protect our patients, protect our staff, uh, and protect, honestly, protect our ability to make earn a living uh, on, the, on the other end of this thing. And so uh, we worked real hard. Uh, as you know, because uh, you mentioned our lobbyists, we have a Washington lobby group that is absolutely phenomenal. Oh, yes. And with all of these COVID packages, they were on the Hill. They were making changes. Uh, we knew when dentistry wasn't being uh, uh, taken seriously, we weren't included in a lot of the original emergency uh, uh, protection items for, for uh, PPE and stuff like that. Uh, and then when all these complicated uh, funding mechanisms came down. Uh, that's when uh, our lobbyists and my Graham called on you guys actually say, hey, can you explain this and put this into easy language so that we could understand it? That was probably uh, the hardest thing for us to do, believe it or not, is we don't understand it as well as you do. So we have to reach out to the experts who can help us go through that complicated. Well, I, I, great. I will tell you, Dr. Clemenson, uh, Mike Graham, Megan Mortimer, David Lynn. I don't, I don't know your other two lobbyists. Those are the ones I've had interaction with. Uh, Megan and I are, um, we talk a lot. Uh, our president, Alan Schiff, uh, has done uh, webinars for the American Dental Association. He's had over 10,000 people on it. We, we've been doing everything we can. We have a joint, uh, a uh, fact sheet about the Paycheck Protection Program. I'm sure we have more coming up, and in fact, uh, uh, we've got we've got more coming up uh, with all the new changes in the round two. The government has certainly come through uh, to help the dentists with um, you know with, with everything. But um, yeah, I mean uh, the relationship that the ADA and the Academy of Dental CPAs has had has been has been amazing, and you've got a a, a great great team here. So uh, you know, you guys have done a lot. A lot. What what have your members been saying to you? Um, what are their biggest concerns? Uh, obviously, making a living and keeping their practices going. But what you talk to, you know, hundreds, thousands of dentists uh, on webinars. What what are your members saying about what what your response have been? What what's the feedback been? I think that that vast majority have been very happy with our response. Uh, when and actually, if you ask my Graham, my Graham would send out emails so that we could get um, uh, messages sent to our legislators regarding a lot of these COVID packages. And uh, his team actually got messages from some of these legislators basically saying, stop with the dentists. They're sending us too much stuff we understand. Uh, the volume of emails and messaging and communication that went to legislators' office uh, increased, I don't know, 5, 10, 15 fold over previous uh, issues that have come up in the past. And that's what shows really the value of mass action and communication of an organization. Uh, I, as an individual dentist, I couldn't get any of this accomplished. But when I get 
uh, 10,000 of my favorite friends or 50,000 of my favorite <laughs> favorite friends uh, to all email the head of, the, of a finance committee uh, on Capitol Hill, we can get some action done. Well, I'll, I'll tell you that the, the good news is that the message got out from the from the ADA, from all the state components. I know here in California, the CDA, from our Academy of Dental CPAs and all the webinars that you guys, the ADA did. Um, a lot of our dentists, a lot of your members got these PPP loans. They were able to get some EIDL loans. Um, they've also been able to apply for the uh, Department of Health and Human Services, provide a relief fund. Right. So fortunately, I, I told people early on, Dr. Clemenson, build a war chest because we don't know how long this is going to last and we don't know what it's going to look like now. Obviously, after, I mean, you know, March 16th will be, believe it or not, one year since this really started. Um, and and but But a lot of our doctors fortunately have been able to do that. A lot of them come, have come back um uh, you know a lot so that that's uh that that's good news so um also yeah another thing i wanted to talk to you about is dental safety uh i know you've been passionate about that you know before you know even before the pandemic and with the house of delegates i guess there was a three-year initiative addressing safety and dental practices that was passed in 2019 um have those priorities changed have you amplified them i mean t- talk about safety obviously that's been the number one concern i would think well, that's still going on. And the safety, the culture of safety issue actually began several years before the pandemic. Uh, and medicine tackled this about 20 years ago. I have a medical degree as well. And so I practice in the hospital. And in, in the hospital, uh, their protocols are a little bit different than the protocols in dentistry. And dentistry is inherently uh, safe and probably safer than uh, medicine be- just because of, of the uh, kind of more focused nature of the stuff we do, but that doesn't mean uh, we can't do better. You know, we certainly occasionally have some anesthetic issues and we have other issues that are critically important for us to, I, I tell people we need to raise the bar. You know, there's a lot of people out there that want to do what we want to do. And if if we want to keep our patients safe and keep our profession safe, you know, we got to keep raising the bar as we have the opportunity to do so. And so COVID uh, allowed us to do a lot of things that the safety committee has actually been looking for. Take a look at, at screening your patients better. Look at your, your medical history better. Uh, evaluate what is the most appropriate procedure. Uh, and so there's lots of simple things. Make your facility better. Uh, uh, maximize your PPE. Look at all these little tiny things which all add up to create increased safety. And so this is going to go on. This is going to be a, a project that's going to take years, uh, but we need to learn from each other. Uh, I may have an individual problem in my office, and if I don't tell somebody about it or it's not reported somewhere in an, an anonymous fashion, nobody ever hears about it. And so as an individual, I need to help my profession get better at what we do. And so that will continue to go forward. You know, and we were chatting a little bit before we uh, turned the record button on today. I guess there have been studies that have come out. Um, one was out of Qatar that 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 said that um, uh, people who have periodontal disease uh, are more likely to end up in intensive care, to end up on ventilators. And one of the studies said that they were like 
uh, nine times more likely to pass away from COVID-19 if they had periodontal disease, if they didn't. I mean, this is a really important message that dentists need to deliver to their patients. Uh, is, ADA, I'm sure, is, is helping the doctors with that messaging too, I would think. Yes, and, and the relationship of uh, oral health care and oral diseases, periodontal and others, has long been recognized as being related to, okay, and and uh, complementary to and, and can exacerbate uh, many other uh, medical problems. Uh, and COVID in particular is known to be much more severe in patients who have comorbidities. Well, the inflammatory response that's related to periodontal disease is just one of those comorbidities that can affect the way an immune system responds uh, to a more generalized uh, uh, infection. And every, I talk to my physician f- friends and about this particular disease process, and I say, have you ever seen anything like this? And most of them haven't. And uh, there have probably been twenty to 30,000 scientific articles at this point about a disease that literally began only a year ago. So we will continue to evolve and continue to find out uh, what we need to do, how we need to do it, how we need to mitigate it. Uh, And uh, we have to just kind of keep the ball rolling. I think this will be uh, something that will go on uh, for some time. I'm hoping that the downslope we're seeing right now uh, is not the calm before another storm, uh, but we need to prepare either way uh, to make sure that we get completely out of this uh, before we relax. Uh, we're, we're clearly fortunate because we've been able to return to relative productive practice much sooner than other uh, some other aspects of the industry like uh, restaurants. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I mean, the, the dental profession has been has been very, very fortunate in how they've come back. Most of my clients, after they reopened and May and June were there was a lot of pent up demand and a hundred you know hundred hundred twenty percent that backed off a little bit, um, but again you know the the I, I think that the messaging and we were talking to our clients as CPAs, uh, the ADCPA was about how the the you know total health a dentist has to be concerned with someone's total health and what a as horrible 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 as this thing has been Dr. Clemenson what a what a great opportunity for for your members to message this to their patients and say, listen, this this virus is not going away. We may have a vaccine, but it's not going away. And and another reason why to keep your mouth clean and why to have good periodontal health. I mean, uh, my my goodness, that that's just um, it's it's great it's great messaging. So you know, I want to touch on a bunch. There's so much I want to talk to you about. You know, you've talked uh, about access to dental care. Um, it sometimes might be an economic challenge. Um, we, we see what this pandemic has done to the middle, the middle class of America, and, and some of the the folks that were not as as fortunate. And it, it's brought these issues to the surface. Uh, necessary dental care in communities. I know that you guys have a program. It's called Give, Give Kids a Smile uh, in Communities. How is ADA helping to bring dentistry to the underserved communities? Well, the ADA for many years has, has been involved on a number of fronts. Give Kids a Smile is, is really just uh, one part of a program that kind of brings attention to the absolute need of many underserved individuals. 
this year, uh, one of our councils, the Council on uh, Advocacy and Access for Prevention, uh, has a huge uh, project in, involving Medicaid. Uh, there, we have a situation where we can serve most kids because kids are covered under SGIP. Uh, in the ACA, but once you become an adult, there is no adult Medicaid in many states. And so we're trying to solve that particular problem, even though it's difficult and there are 50 different states. Uh, we're trying to look for some uniformity. We're trying to improve uh, reimbursement. We're trying to uh, improve uh, uh, the problems associated with some audits. Uh, but at some level, if we can take care of the underserved, uh, clearly they become more educated. And one of these days, on their own, they're going to seek out dental care rather than having to get it. Uh, another thing uh, that's uh, equally important from an economic standpoint, this nowadays is a lot of people lost their jobs and so they've lost some of their dental benefits as well. Right. And so uh, our entire industry is probably hurt uh, at all levels. Uh, whether you have no insurance, the best insurance, or you're independently wealthy. Uh, it's always bothered me that no matter what your status, uh, probably 40% of the population doesn't see their dentist in a given year. And if there was some way we could figure out to reach even 50% of that group, uh, we would, we would uh, have to open our doors on Saturdays and Sundays. Yeah, that 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 is an issue that I have in 36 years of being a dental CPA that I have never understood is and and some of it may be cost, some of it may be just quite frankly if uh, I guess Dr. Clemenson if it doesn't hurt there's nothing wrong, right? Well, there are many people <laughs> there are many people that think that, yes. And you know what a dentist considers obvious and valuable is not always what a patient does. And so sometimes it's just a matter of how we need to figure out how better to communicate with those people uh, and make access available. And, you know, when a patient wants something, they're going to go after it. You know, if we could figure out a way to make dental care as attractive as an iPhone, uh, again, wouldn't that be wonderful? Uh, maybe you guys can partner up with Apple and put your heads together. I don't know, maybe. <laughs> but um, so what do you think priorities should be for the dental practices going forward? And then I want to talk about kind of what ADA has got in store for 2021. But what what do you think dentists should be thinking about their big priorities for 2021 as their small business owners navigating the pandemic? Well, I think that we have to understand that this pandemic is is going to stretch out a little bit longer. And so we need to be uh, very thoughtful about uh, managing our resources. Uh, we are being squeezed by increased costs for some of our supplies. Uh, even though it's interesting, even though we're in the middle of this pandemic, some third-party payers are still uh, putting downward pressure on reimbursement. Uh, we have to figure out how to to create that balance, uh, maintain our patient volume. Uh, maintain our ability to get workforce, which is becoming a little bit more of a problem now uh, following uh, the pandemic, uh, and, uh, you know, kind of get through this tough time. Uh, I do think there's still a lot of patients who aren't coming back. And when they come back, uh, the dental disease hasn't gone away. 
Uh, and so we need to figure out a way to get them in, get them done, and uh, uh, make sure that uh, we have a successful business by doing so. I, I think some encouraging, you know, conversation you and I could have is, I mean, you you remember back to two thousand and eight, Doctor, when we had this massive economic downturn. I, I I've read a lot about this, and people don't realize how close we came to uh, nineteen twenty nine. I mean, it, it was very close. I got I had clients calling me back then saying. You know, Art, should I pull my money out of the bank? I had two in one day. That was that was really scary. But what we found, and what I told them, and I'm sure what what you were telling, you know, your you were talking to your colleagues about, is the fact that back then, you know, people didn't have money to come to the dentist, but dentistry doesn't get better on its own, just like you and I, just like you <laughs> said. And we found that the doctors after 29, 2010, 2011, 2012 were banner years because. All this, all this, you know, demand of people that were not coming in, and all this dentistry that was going bad, and all this disease and everything. I mean, we could be seeing some of that. I think the statistics. Um, you have um, Marco Budajic, I think I said his name. I, I've practiced his name a bunch. I finally, I think I have it down. Uh, I've listened to his webinars on uh, the statistics of the pandemic, and all the statistics point to that. You know, fifteen, twenty percent of of patients uh, just will not, not only will they not come to a dental office, they won't go out of the house. And when they start coming back, that's going to be helpful too. Um, so, so what, what do you think as far as, as going for, what has ADA got in store for 2021? I mean, we're at the knockwood, hopefully at the back end of this pandemic, what, what kind of programs are you guys working on now that you've got 10, 11 months of experience under your belt with this pandemic? Well, for the most part, relative to the pandemic, we are really trying to, one, keep patients safe, keep doctors safe, and, and we are pushing as hard as we can on this vaccination effort. Uh, we have three pillars, get vaccinated ourselves uh, and give vaccinations if we can. And there's now about 21 states where dentists are being allowed to give vaccinations. We still have a supply problem. Uh, and then the, the last pillar is to encourage our patients to get vaccinated. Uh, if un Unless these new variants create a huge problem, uh, the ability to get to herd immunity is probably the thing that is most likely to get us to a point where patients will start feeling comfortable coming back uh, in to see us. Uh, and so from a COVID standpoint, you know, that's what we're trying to do. Uh, beyond COVID, though, all the problems and all the issues that we have to deal with are still there. Uh, we still have third-party issues, and so we have a have a, a, a program called FIST. It's called Fight uh, Inter Insurance Interference uh, Task Force, and they help individual states uh, with third-party issues in their legislatures. Uh, and started out with about six states. Last year, it was 17 states. This year, we have 31 states that are all being actively supported. Uh, and so uh, the third-party people and us, we kind of are in a big tug-of-war. They push, we pull. They push, they pull. They build a better mousetrap. We try to build a better, better mousetrap. Uh, that's the nature of the game, and we have to keep fighting that because it's still third-party issues are still the number one uh, concern of all of our members. Uh, and so we will continue to do that. We're developing a registry, which one of these days will be phenomenally important because it allows us to gather the data uh, relative to utilization. If we can get diagnostic co codes, we can uh, analyze outcomes. 
so that we have the big data so that we can uh, provide the kind of information that others, you know, why does Facebook and Google do so well? Because they have the big data. They can monetize the big data. They can prove their points. uh, And that's what we need to do. And so we're working real hard on that as well. Well, we, we, and, and, and again, the, the third party payor is, is a big challenge. I see it on my end working with CPA, uh, with our CPA clients, our dentist clients, our ADCPA members see that also. And that, uh, some of the reimbursements, um, uh, you know, f- you can't make a pro, I mean, you can't make a profit in a dental practice when you're getting 40, 50, 60% of your UCR fees, uh, because you don't get to go to your employees and say, oh, by the way, we're only getting paid 40%. I can only pay you 40% of your salary. It doesn't work that way. You're in business, doctor. You know that. And and uh, But again, you know, the insurance companies are the 8,000-pound gorilla. And um, I, I think as a combination of uh, education to the patients, I mean, we all we all know that that dental insurance is is doesn't cover a whole heck of a lot. I mean, it covers a thousand or fifteen hundred dollars, maybe indemnity insurance is a dinosaur. So we know all of this, and 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 also what ADA is doing, you know, on Capitol Hill and at the state level, um, which is important. And and that brings me to something else I want to talk to you about. Um, I want to talk about encouraging younger dentists to get involved in in organized dentistry. I know I've talked to lots of people in the profession about that, but um, what kind of, we've got a lot of young dentists that listen to this podcast. And I know that because they email me and they call me. Uh, I'd like to maybe give them a message about the benefits of being involved in organized dentistry and what they can do to help their profession. The best way to help our profession is one, be a member and two, get involved locally. Uh, What the ADA does for me and the reason why I pay my dues and always have, I belong to probably 10 different organizations, including the medical association. They have enough mass and strength and knowledge and people in the, who, who know how to get things done that I don't have to do it. They can do the things I can't do as an individual. Okay. I can't write bills. I can't go every week and talk to the people on Capitol Hill. Mike Graham, he can call up uh, Senator McConnell and, and, probably meet him for lunch. Uh, he can get stuff done that we can't do. It's kind of like having insurance. Uh, we, every year we pay, we pay our car insurance. And then when the car breaks, uh, it's fixed. Okay. For us, it's insurance. They, I'm paying them to maintain my ability to practice. Uh, and that's, that's really what we do. We may, sometimes we don't win big things, uh, but we certainly prevent a lot of losses. This year, we had a great win. McCarran Ferguson, uh, that was a phenomenal win. Uh, that limited antitrust exemption that the healthcare insurers had is now gone. Now, whether that creates an immediate or uh, something that you can recognize in your personal practice, perhaps not. But additional pressures that get put on the big third party payers by the Department of Justice. Uh, will change them very subtly. It will encourage other people to get into the market. Uh, if you have more competition, potentially prices come down and benefits go up. Uh, and so this was a huge win for us. Yeah, and and again, young young people who it's it's like it's like going out to vote. You just say, well, gee, I'm just one vote. My vote doesn't make a difference. Yes, it does. 
your involvement, doctors, in your local, state, and national organization does. I, I wish you could could see what the ADA is doing in their building in Chicago and all over the country, and and what these folks are doing. I, I've had it. I, I've had the experience working with Megan Mortimer and Mike Graham, you know, firsthand, and and how they fight. And you know, M- Megan will be on my podcast. She's in Washington. She'll come on at nine, ten o'clock at night. She'll she'll email me at all hours. I mean, she they're working they're working tirelessly. Um, to, to try and help, but, but we need the younger generation, the, the, the 20, you know, 27, 30, 35 year old doctors who are just getting started. We need them to, to come and, 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 and follow up with your uh, legacy and all the people. Cause you know, at some point you're, well, you may never retire. I mean, you said, okay, so you, you have a, you have, you have an oral surgery practice, you're president of the ADA and your members, would you say 10 organizations? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you probably play. You don't play golf three days a week, do you? No, I don't play golf. <laughs> but you bring up with young people. You bring up a good point. And and if there's if there's one issue that I think needs to be changed at the ADA or the ADA could get better if we had more young people actively involved. And the reason is I'm I am within sight of retirement. I can coast to the end. But I always tell the members of our new dentist committee and the younger early career dentists that are involved, I said, you guys are the future. You have to be thinking about and designing what dentistry is going to look like 10 and 12 years from now. Uh, Old guys like me don't, you know, I'm I'm a pretty good thinker, but some of us uh, don't think that far out. And that's absolutely critical if if we're going to advance the profession of dentistry and uh, graduates have the uh, ability to have a successful practice like I did. Exactly, exactly. A couple more things I want to chat with you about. Um, I know that uh, I had a chance to meet your your former, your predecessor, Dr. Gahani, and he was doing a lot of work in the area of uh, the ADA's digital presence. Right. And I, uh, you know, what you've been trying to, to continue. So what, what kind of... Um, uh, what what kind of digital work is ADA doing to um, you know with, with everything else going on? I know that they're doing a lot of stuff in that area. Well, it's certainly going on, and it's going on over a course of about three years. But clearly, uh, the IT infrastructure at the ADA needs to get ahead of the ball game, just like all industries has to. Uh, and so we need to be able to do that so that we can communicate seamlessly with all the younger people who uh, text everything, Instagram everything. We need to get that information out. Uh, and clearly, uh, in terms of how our profession will uh, improve in the future, uh, the interaction with uh, high-tech type stuff is going to be uh, phenomenal. And the, listen, AI uh, is, going to, uh, is, is going to influence us as well. And so uh, we're just trying to, to stay up with the Joneses on that. Oh, yeah. And again, like I said, I was in my dentist's office and I had, I experienced firsthand how a digital scanner works. And I asked the doctor to explain to me, um, you know, how does this work? And he showed it and the, the technology. I remember I tell this, I've told this story once or twice on the podcast. The first interoral camera that ever came out in dentistry came out in 1989. It was debuted at the California Dental Association convention. I was, I was lecturing there. And it was manufactured by Fuji, and it was the size of your office, probably, maybe bigger. <laughs> and it was forty-two thousand dollars back in nineteen eighty-nine. I mean, you look at it today—a digital 
Um, I mean, an interval camera is a little something that you hold between your, your your two fingers, and it's you know a couple thousand dollars. And but the the, the digital scanning, and 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 again, especially what you do as an oral surgeon with you know CBCT and 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 everything. Uh, I mean, how how is the technology just as being a dentist? An oral surgeon, how's that uh, affected dentistry? Well, it it makes one. It does make it safer. We can see things we could only envision before. Uh, we can take that data and we can pre-treatment plan. Uh, we can do real-time implant placement uh, looking at a screen. Uh, and now there's robotic or partial robotics that can be used uh, for items like that. Uh, and so it's all so phenomenal. Uh, and, and that's all on the macroscopic level. If you look at some of the new dental materials, they'll make dental materials, uh, in the future that can repair themselves. Uh, they'll be able to act, decide whether or not the pH is going up. Uh, They they will be able to, uh, tell if caries is going on. There'll be all sorts of things that will, uh, just amaze us. I mean, the, the, the technology is unbelievable. Something else I want to talk to you about, and this is this has been an unfortunate effect, probably not only for dentists but for lots of people, is is dentists handling the emotional impacts and stress uh, during this time. I know that one of our um, local dental uh, executive directors, I I work with uh, most of them in in Southern California, uh, sent me some information that the um, you know over fifty percent of dentists are having issues sleeping and 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 just what's going to happen in my practice. Um, is ADA, I, I'm sure you're aware of it, obviously, is it? Is there something that you, some advice you can give or something ADA, some tools or resources that, that you guys might have to help our doctors uh, during this un, uh, unprecedented time? Uh, there are some resources on the ADA website. The Council on Dental Practice has a subcommittee on wellness and they develop, uh, there have been some uh, webinars and podcasts on on that. Uh, and so it is, it's clearly an issue because, uh, we're all small businessmen, uh, and women, we have worries, we have staff, we have to take care of, we have patients. Uh, when you worry a lot constantly over the course of, uh, 10 months and you have to wear a mask and you can't interact, uh, it's natural, but yeah, we have, there's lots of resources at the ADA. And I know also that that uh, one of the things ADA did was uh, I think FEMA now recognizes the dental profession. I think the number four most critical of the healthcare professions. Uh, how is uh, PPE? I know that was a huge, huge challenge at the beginning of the pandemic. I think that's gotten better. Um, is ADA still working towards uh, getting you know, making that easier for dentists to get their hands on? It's dramatically better than it was, but that's because production has gone up. Originally, it was a huge problem because we weren't included uh, with the physicians and other frontline workers, but we had that remedied relatively quick. Uh, Supply chain issues were a huge problem, uh, and uh, everything was going to the frontline workers in the hospitals at that point in time. Uh, We were able to distribute something like I'm going to say five to 10 million masks and a number of gowns as well. We just finished uh, our last distribution to nonprofit uh, healthcare centers uh, just last week. The problem now is that uh, the cost of PPE has gone up. 
And so uh, that is a dramatic issue that's affecting us all. Yeah, and and the problem is, is if you're contracted with a third-party payer, uh, you can't call them up and say, oh, by the way, insurance company, uh, my costs went up. I need to write, no, 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 no. Right. Unfortunately, insurance companies have two objectives, collect as much money from uh, the, the people they're insuring as possible and pay as little as possible to the to 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 the providers. Well, Dr. Clemenson, I will tell you, you are. Uh, thank you so much for for taking this this really valuable time of yours um, uh, to to talk to our audience. Do you have any anything else that you might want to share uh, with our audience as far as anything ADA is doing in the future? Any advice you might give uh, to, to to members and um, and any 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 closing thoughts that you might have? Well, I would just say that. De- uh, the dental profession, the ADA, has been around for 160 years, and I'm kind of a history buff, and so I've gone back and read a lot of this stuff and, and some of the original transcripts. Uh, the problems that we seem to, that are new today, have always been problems. We've always had issues with licensure. We've always had issues with people's ability to pay. Uh, we've always had issues with uh, some of the science, uh, but you know, Dental disease is still a problem. We still need to take care of the public. We have a social contract with them. Uh, If we treat the public right, they'll treat us right, and we will have a very good and profitable profession. And, and, you know, it's interesting. When I I have a doctor that retires, um, I will sit down with that doctor and someone buys their practice, and I, I will tell them, I say, doctor, I want you to think about, and this is what I've been harping to all of you, is is folks you 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 are not just fixing people's teeth you are about a better life a better relationship a better self-esteem uh how many lives have you saved if you've been a doctor dr clemenson and you've been about 30 35 40 years as a yep. practitioner um i mean how many lives have you saved how many have you made better i mean this is what you guys you you, you wonderful men and women do which is why i've been thrilled to devote my professional career to the dental profession and if you, we remember that and this is a call, I think this is a call to action, this pandemic for the dental profession. It's a call to action to say, listen, um, you know, these statistics, they're, they're showing that, you know, we've got to get rid of your periodontal disease. We've got to make sure that your mouth is healthy. This is where the disease starts. And if you do that, and God forbid you get this horrible virus, whatever strain it is, uh, you've got a much better shot at it. And, and, and so I want to encourage all of you to think that way. I want to encourage all of you to get involved in your local dental society and your state, your component group. Uh, I think we have 32 of them in California. The CDA is wonderful. You know, j- just look at the ADA's website with all the stuff. I mean, that, that kit you guys put out mm. early on. I mean, I can't tell you how many comments I got uh, about it. Like I said, my, my, my dentist, but Uh, You know, if you're not a member of ADA, you need to become a member of ADA and just get involved because, folks, if if you don't work on your profession, nobody else is going to do it. Because although I think Dr. Clemenson might work, uh, do the pace he's going until maybe you're 120 or something. I don't know. Uh, Just attempt. I'm just attempt. (laughs) I got about eight more months and then there's going to be another attempt coming along. But we need we need people to fill the pipeline. And if we don't do it, nobody else is. Well, I, I, I do hope, Dr. Clemenson, that, that before your, I think your term is up in October or November. Correct. 
Yeah. So I hope before your term is up that you get to get on an airplane and go to meetings and see <laughs> some people and, and, and do the job. I know that, that you've spent many years, uh, you know, getting ready for, and, um, you know, God bless you and, and all the, and Megan and Michael and all the people at ADA and everybody who helps the dentists because it's been, it has been a very, very, very challenging time. So if, if you could, uh, I'm going to kind of wrap us up here. If you could stay on uh, as I take us out and we'll chat a little bit afterwards. Uh, so folks, thank you for the honor and privilege of your time. Uh, great information from Dr. Clemenson. You are well re represented uh, at the ADA building in Chicago and in Washington, D.C., and, and, and the ADA is fighting for you every single day because I, I see it. I'm involved in it. We've helped at the ADCPA. So if you want to get a hold of me, folks, at my office in Tustin, California, uh, my number is 657-279-3243. My email address is awiederman, W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N, at idebailey, that's E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y.com. Uh, go on to Decisions in Dentistry magazine, uh, www.decisionsindentistry.com for all the great resources that they have. And again, if you need help uh, with all of this uh, alphabet soup, the PPP, the ERTC, the HHS, ESPN, HBO, Cinemax, whatever you need, um, you know, we're here for you at the Academy of Dental CPAs, 24 CPA firms that represent over 10,000 dentists. And again, Ide Bailey is, is one of them. We work with about 800 dentists in our firm. Go to www.adcpa.org. Dr. Daniel Clemenson, thank you so much for taking your time um, and visiting with us today. I'm sure your, your insight and, and what ADA is doing is so valuable to all the dentists out there. Well, with that, uh, folks, that is going to be it for this uh, this edition of the Art of Dental Finance and Management with Art Wiederman, CPA. Again, please go to our website and register for our courses. Um, on March 10th, I'm going to be talking about the interaction between the Paycheck Protection Program and the Employee Retention Tax Credit, which could put more money, tens of thousands of dollars in your pocket based on how the government uh Shows us what the rules are. But for um, with that said, uh, this is Art Wiederman for the Art of Dental Finance and Management with Art Wiederman CPA signing off. Have a wonderful day and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Art of Dental Finance and Management podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. The Art of Dental Finance and Management podcast is produced by Ide Bailey in partnership with Art Wiederman, CPA, Decisions in Dentistry Magazine, and the Academy of Dental CPAs. For audience questions and feedback, email Art Wiederman, awiederman at idebailey.com. That's A-W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N at E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y.com. Or you may call Art at 657-279-3243.